Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to give families a new point of support as they navigate the NICU journey. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast and share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful. Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Stephanie Lopasinski, a licensed clinical social worker with nearly 20 years of experience providing individual, couples, and group therapy. Dr. Lopasinski has worked with various populations and patients of all ages and backgrounds. She is the owner of her very own private practice, Women's Wellness of Abington, and just celebrated her second year anniversary. She takes pride in specializing in treating female patients who are seeking out support throughout their journey of reproductive and perinatal and postpartum life changes. Dr. Lopasinski is here today to share with us some tips and suggestions in finding the right therapy and therapist for you, please make sure to check out Dr. Lopasinski's on a previous Today is a Good Day podcast from season two. Sorry, not sorry, putting your baby first. I still remember us having that conversation. Welcome back. So happy you are here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to see you again. Yes, it's great to see you as well. All right, we got to dive right in. You know it. Therapy is overwhelming. It is hard to find the right therapist when do you seek therapy? All those good questions, which we're going to cover today. Where do you start? I think the most important thing is uh, looking at the basics, right? Looking at the cost, right? Let's be honest, right? The cost, uh, in insurance, if you want to go through insurance, right? Location, uh, location, location, location. And we can, I can say that in different ways, right? The location of the actual therapy, which can be telehealth or in person uh, or both, which I think is best, right? That ability to see a patient in person. Uh, the beauty of that, you can see in real life, in real time, that affect, that body language. Um, I personally love when a patient is like sitting on the edge of the sea of the couch behind me and then Maybe we talk about something and the body language changes. It's just so lovely to watch, right? It's just, and I always point it out to them too. Um, and they like to hear that, right? It's like, oh yeah, you're right. I am able to you know, let go. So I think location of the actual therapy also matters. If that therapist is a recommend, recommendation from maybe a doctor or a friend, but that, pa that therapist is like, half an hour, no traffic, right? 45 minutes to an hour with traffic. You're probably going to be late sometimes, just frazzled when you get there. Not exactly the vibe that you want when you walk into therapy, right? Not that it's going to affect the therapist, but it's going to affect you. Um, so I think it's important about location, uh, cost. These are the things that people look for first. And some therapists are in network if you have insurance through your employer. Some uh, are out of network or don't take insurance. So really checking with your insurance provider first to see who is available through your network, right? Right. And so that's where it gets a little you know, tricky because a lot of therapists that are, are on your uh, insurance website or you call and the uh, the representative will tell you, oh, you can see this person, right? But then you have to do a little bit of homework on your own end 
to find out if that therapist is well-versed in what you want to discuss, right? Mm -hmm. So this person could be, you know, no cost to you, but have never discussed anything, you know, perinatal or postpartum, which puts you a little bit at a disadvantage, right? So just really trying to find the right fit. And it, do you find, and I, I know personally for me, it's taken a long time to try and find the right therapist to talk to. And, you know, I, I remember one of our previous guests who is also a, a social worker and a therapist. She talked about it being like dating to some extent. So how often do you find the right fit on the first try? I'm so glad that you said dating because that was actually something that I was going to kind of relate it to. Right. And PS don't try to date anybody in therapy. Right. That's against good, That's good. ethics. For, good to for, note. Yes. Right. Um, however, <laughs> when it comes to say, you know, dating, right. Um, if you go on an app and you know, you see someone and you just meet without any communication, right. That's not going to work. You need to do some homework. You need to find out what that person's about. If that person likes long walks on the beach, right? What that person likes, right? Um, so a blind, you know, meet and greet is not always the best. Um, I recommend absolutely uh, a patient calling a therapist and having a consultation first. You will get a lot out of that conversation. And I am concerned if any therapist doesn't have that option and it should be complimentary or free, right? Just like you hear about these other professionals that do may look at your roof and do a, you know, oh yeah, I can do that. Uh, you want a therapist to be able to talk to you on the phone, right? And that is so helpful. What do you think are, I love this idea of the consultation. What do you think are some of the questions that someone should think about asking in that consultation to see if a therapist is going to be the right fit? Right. So some of the basics that we already talked about, right? Like cost and location and telehealth versus in person. Um, I also think it's really okay to get really um, curious about their background, right? It's okay to say, you know, can you tell me a little bit about your schooling? Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what uh, organizations have you worked with or agencies or, you know, what background do you have? Right. It's OK. And I love when patients ask me that because, you know, I, I do a, a short rattle of of my background. But I think you should be asking these questions because, you know, you don't want to just research the best um, cooling, you know, sheets for your bed, right. And spend hours into that, but not so much into your therapist, right. Mm -hmm. It's okay to like Google your, you know, potential therapist and see what comes up. Right. Uh, we, I think we need to get more comfortable with that. We live, you know, in an online world that's okay to do. What's well, interesting. You say this too, about therapy, because I think, we talk a lot to families about doing the same thing with their pediatrician for their baby mm -hmm. who graduates from the NICU, right? Ask to interview the doctors, talk to the different doctors. Have they worked with premature babies or medically complex kids that have graduated from the, the NICU? And you have the right to do that. You, you, and it's doing the same thing with your therapist as well. Right. And pediatricians, I was going to uh, mention that you're just saying all these things that are on my paper. 
but there's a lot of meet and greets when it comes to a pediatrician office, right? Even before you, uh, you know, commit to that office, right? So that meet and greet, that, you know, open house, uh, that's really important, right? So mm -hmm. going back to the consultation, that can tell you a lot about that therapist. So now I know that you and I met years ago when we were both on the perinatal loss committee at Abington, and that's where we first crossed paths and became friends so many years later here that we're sitting here having this conversation. You were really familiar with the different roles in the NICU. How can families really use those different team members who are, who are part of the NICU team? Can you kind of help define some of those for us? But also, how could they use those team members to help connect them with resources or help to connect them with therapists? Right. And I want to add a little bit of a bullet after that mm -hmm. question. And I want to make sure that I, I answer also your, your initial question. Sure. But when I worked at the hospital, um, I noticed that the NICU wasn't being checked up on. And I, I took that on, on my own. I went to the NICU and I just started rounding. So just like pediatricians round, I said, I want to, I want to round in the NICU. And I was pretty much given like the green light on anything, right? Like you are doing, you know, great with your population, please, you know, do you do, you know, take care of those patients. So I decided I was going to round a NICU and I'd, I'd go around and I would just go to those, you know, parents that just looked, you know, dazed and tired and just spent. And I would ask them how they were doing. Right. I wouldn't ask about the baby because I know that the baby is being taken care of. Right. The doctors are doing that. After I talk to them, of course, they're going to show me their, their pride and joy. But I wanted to know how they were doing. And sometimes I would get this, me, me, like, oh, us. And the husbands as well, like, or the partners, like, oh, you, you want to talk to me too? And I said, yeah, I want to know how you're doing. And we go in another space or, you know, on the floor. And the beauty of that, of just, going directly, right? And not introducing myself as a therapist, but just, you know, saying, Dr. Lubsinski, I'm rounding, I'm checking on, on the parents. Mm -hmm. Are you and eating anything? And are there, um, so if families are in the NICU and they want to kind of look for support like you were giving yep. to those families, where do they start? What should they do? Thank you for bringing me back. Yes. Uh, so go with your social worker first, right? So the wonderful social workers that are there, right? And us social workers do very different things, right? So there's hospital social workers uh, or social workers that work for uh, more of a, um, a macro. And that is, you know, more um, the case management or discharge planning. So you want to look for those social workers though, because they know who to refer you to, right? Um, so go to them first, um, but you can also ask the nurses. You can also ask the pediatricians. Uh, they should know someone mm -hmm. or they should have a list somewhere. Anyone who is giving a Edinburgh 
or a postpartum depression screening should have a list to go with that. You can't screen someone for depression and then say, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Good luck with that. Right. right. You need a form to have a list of therapic therapists that are, you know, well-versed in this. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that comes back to the advocacy piece, right? That we talk about so often for families. You can ask these questions. You can uh, talk to your team at the NICU about your needs and questions that you have and how to get connected with resources. And it really, it, we talk about this so often, but it truly all goes back to advocacy for yourself and for your baby. Right. When we think about options for therapy, you see it on TV, commercials, there's different online options that are out there. How do you tie those into getting a list and calling and, and finding the right fit? What are your recommendations with the online options? Yeah, and I, I, I thought about this question very much so because I didn't want to say any, you know, websites to seem like I was advocating for them or, you know, it's um, that advocating word, um, but, you know, supporting them. Uh, the one organization that I would say I, I do recommend going on uh, would be Psychology Today. And that is because once you go on Psychology Today, you, you know, print out, you put your zip code or the name of maybe the therapist that you heard of, and then you look at their profile. And then Psychology Today, like, that's it. That's all they're providing, right? They're just getting you to that therapist. And the profile's there. Um, of course, you, you know, the therapist uh, pay a monthly fee, right? Which is pretty minimal, right? Um, but they're not taking a cut or anything like that. Um, I'm always a little suspicious about, you know, people taking a cut from something um, because, you know, that that shouldn't be the case, right? Therapists should, you know, be able to make um, a living for themselves, right? Without a middleman. Um, and, you know, patients should be paying what they need to pay and not paying somebody else, right? Um, so psychology today, also look at the organizations that are linked to what you're getting the help for. So for example, uh, postpartum depression. Um, postpartum Support International is an international organization, nonprofit, that also lists the names of certified perinatal mental health counselors or professionals, right? So you want to go to, you know what, I, I really want to talk to someone about perinatal mental health. Well, that's an organization you can look at, right? Um, I'm not sure if the March of Dimes has anything linked to NICU help, um, but you want to get a little creative and, and research, right? Do your research. It's okay to do that. Dive into, you know, what you want to talk about. And, you know, I would go from there because those organizations are very protective of who they are going to recommend. As you're doing research, any red flags to yeah. keep an eye out for? There, there's a lot of this, right? And that was the basis upon me reaching out to you and saying, you know, I would like to talk about this because a lot of patients come to me a little jaded about, you know, a previous therapist, um, whether it be from a, their childhood, that they hold mm -hmm. on to that. 
uh, for so long or like a bad taste in their mouth or, you know, just not a good experience, right? And I always apologize on behalf of that. I always say, I'm sorry you had that experience, right? And just that allows them to like kind of, you know, settle in like, yeah, I am, I am, I'm sorry to hear that too about myself, right? Um, so I think the red flags are many. Uh, one of them is life coaches, right? The word coach is not protected, right? Uh, when I say that, what I mean is like, so a LCSW or a licensed clinical social worker or a LPC or a LMFT, which is licensed marriage and family therapist, that's all protected. That's all, you know, granted by, you know, the state and protected by the state. The word coach is anybody can say that, right? Uh, you know, a baseball coach can say they're a coach, right? So I'd be careful with the wording. And I'd look for that. It's okay to say this, but a little bit of alphabet soup after their their name. It's okay to want, you know, some credentials after that. Well, I was going to ask you about credentials. What are, what are people looking for when they see credentials? You already mentioned a few. Yeah. So those are the most common ones that you're going to see. Um, LCSW, which is Licensed Clinical Social Worker. Uh, there's LPC, Licensed Professional Counselor, the LMFT that I mentioned. Um, and, you know, that's the bulk of what you're going to see. Uh, based on another question you had asked me about looking for the right therapist with the right credential, it, it really doesn't matter too much of the LCSW or the LPC. However, I feel pretty strongly about referring couples to licensed marriage and family therapists. Okay. So I'm very protective of that. If a patient, you know, says we want couples therapy, I say, I'm not, that's not my strength unless you want to discuss parenting. Mm -hmm. Then we can do that. If you want to discuss a loss, if you want to discuss a term in a medical termination, I'm your guy. But if you want to talk about communication styles and, you know, uh, this person takes too much of the bed during sleeping and snoring, I'm not your guy. <laughs> and it takes a professional to know that and to refer you out. So just making sure that you're being honest, you're telling the therapist, what you need, what you're looking for. And again, what it sounds like to me is just, it all goes back to research, researching background, researching areas of expertise, areas of focus with whomever you're speaking with. Right. Right. So, you know, another, you know, red flag is that long, long list, that laundry list of areas of interest, right? There's a difference between areas of interest and areas of specialty, Right. So if I see a therapist with a really long list of, you know, areas of interest or even um, specialties, I'm going to I'm kind of going to feel a little lost in that. Right. I'm going to read the list and see if what my my concern is on there. Um, if you've ever looked up a provider through, say, you know, a hospital site, and I hope people do. Uh, and you might see their specialties, 
if really what you're concerned about, say fibromyalgia, is not on there, that might not be your provider, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important to be wary of this really long list, right? And, you know, there's a lot of formula in that because they want anything typed up to, you know, come up to them, right? Like, but it's it's not about that. You need to really feel good about the specialty that you are in. You got to mm-hmm that passion and that love for it. Well, now I want to touch a little bit. So we've talked about research. We've talked about asking questions, advocating for yourself, trying to find the right fit. I think it's hard for people. And I I know we've talked about this before, but I think it's really hard for people to really get over that hump to say, okay, it is time. I need to find a therapist that would help me. I'm not sure how they're going to help me or what I need to do, but when do people know or when should they go, oh, yeah, it's probably time for me to look for a therapist? Mm-hmm. So, Martha, I'm going to ask you a question based on that question. <laughs> You're <laughs> not allowed to turn it back around on me. Come on. It's an example. I'm just kidding. When is, when is the best time to see a private, uh, a, um, a PCP? Uh, anytime you're not feeling well. Any, any time else? Uh, for checkups. Okay. So well visits, right? Yes. So even when you're well, right, you want to establish that you have a PCP or a primary care doctor, right? Yes. And, you know, that's the norm. That way, if you get this sinus infection, you have someone to call, right? Mm-hmm. But you also want to get routine blood work and you want to make sure things are good, right? So it's, it's always a good time to take time for yourself and, you know, find a therapist. We don't have to be at this level of distress and almost like just dysfunction, if you will, of, you know, it doesn't have to come to that, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people come to therapy um, in that space and that can be hard, right? For them to, you know, dive in like that. But, you know, when, when people are getting married, getting a house, you know, those big transitions tend to bring out some stress, right? So anytime is a good time mm-hmm. to, you know, to start a therapy. Today is a good day, right? <laughs> Today is a good day, yeah. <laughs> to begin therapy. The, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you, right? We take care of our body when we go to the doctor. You know, why are we not taking care of the brain, that affects everything else in your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, your brain tells your spinal cord to, to move your, your arm. Like, why are we ignoring this priority of a, a body part? Why are, we, why are we doing that? Well, I think you bring up a good point of uh, you don't have to be in that just overwhelming, anxious stage. It's more, it's a self-care piece, Mm -hmm. right? It's taking care of yourself. And I oftentimes reflect back on our personal experience. We had twin girls, 23 weeks. The NICU is a stressful situation. You were talking about buying a house, moving, life transitions. That is a time, and you and I have talked about it actually in our previous episode, about it being such a, a traumatic time for so many because it's not what you expected. It's not where you want to be. Many people don't know if they're going to the NICU. It's a, a surprise. It's overwhelming. It's lonely. 
when our daughter Mary passed away, we went back to Claire, who was continuing to fight. We didn't know if she would survive. She she did. But that anxiety, that that peak of that anxiety, I would say, hit me two years mm-hmm. post NICU. Mm-hmm. Because we were in this get through each day, manage through each day, just keep going, powering through for so long. And a lot of the families I talk to, I say, don't, don't wait as long as I did mm-hmm. to try and seek some support or help uh, just to navigate through the, that high level of stress that you have from being in the NICU itself. Yeah. A hypervigilance. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So as our listeners are thinking about looking for a therapist or they're trying to find the right fit, what kind of questions should they be asking themselves prior to starting that search? I think the biggest question is, what do I have to lose? What What is the risk versus benefit, right? Uh, any provider will talk about that when they prescribe a medication, right? So I think it's important to say to the patient, what do you have to lose? Or, you know, I'm suggesting that the, you know, our listeners ask themselves, what's, what's the risk of this, right? And the risk, let's be honest, like when we say risk, we mean like, you know, a consequence, right? So time, money, right? Vulnerability, right? Um, but what's the benefit? Well, I can talk about my mother-in-law. I can talk about this. I can talk about that. I can talk about this trauma. Um, I can talk about my husband. I can talk about my partner um, openly and freely without any judgment. I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about this person, you know, divulging any information. I get that privacy. I get that space. Uh, you know, a lot of times I'm the only person who knows something really significant in a patient's life. And that they've never uttered those words to anyone else. I mean, the beauty of that and the complete honor that I have, I I never take that for granted. Um, But what do I have to lose? What's the worst case scenario? You know, and if you are getting a good referral from, you know, a provider, right, which again, should have a list of providers that they feel good about, they should be also providing you referrals for someone that they would send their sister to someone who is reporting back to other patients. Wow. You know, that, that really worked out well. I'm, I'm feeling better. That really helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's helpful. All right. Last question for you. Any last tips or suggestions you have for the listeners? The most effective way that we can find out if therapy is going to work for a patient and a therapist is rapport, right? So that clinical relationship, that ability to feel comfortable and sit back on that couch. I love when patients take their their shoes off and they get comfy. I'm waiting still for the day for someone to lie down. Oh. (laughs) That will make my day, my year. (laughs) I'm waiting for it. (laughs) I really do want to get a chase, like a blue velvet chase. But rapport and comfortability and being able to, you know, share without that judgment, right? Being validated. Uh, I always say my goal is that you feel a tiny bit better walking out than you walked in. Mm -hmm. 
And not that I'm even doing that, but more about validating you, right? Um, I think education is also very important in sessions. Um, I heart CBT for cognitive behavioral therapy. That's my jam. Uh, however, you know, if you want to find someone who's a different modality, if you want to find someone that's more about mindfulness, um, you know, that is something that you can look up and see, you know, if that's your vibe. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to, again, have that consultation with that therapist. That way you can like sample what a session would actually sound like, right? Sometimes my, I go into a little bit longer in a consultation um, on my own doing because I, I don't, I wouldn't feel good just getting off the phone, not asking certain questions or even just saying like, Hey, I want to, I want you to try this until next time that we talk. Mm -hmm. And I also want you to reach out to me if you need to talk any sooner. Right. So that availability and that compassion is, is so important and being able to, you, you just pick up a vibe, right? Just like your medical provider, right? Some people want someone that has a little less, you know, personality or a little, you know, right straight to the you know point. And, you know, I am not that person. <laughs> um, and I think in that conversation, though, with the console, that'll be picked up. And I think you know, those are the kind of things that, you know, really set you apart of knowing whether or not this is a right fit for you. And you deserve to have the right fit. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for all that you have shared today. Where can people find out more about your practice? So I have a website, Women's Wellness of Abington, uh, dot com. So you can go on that site. And I'm a little all over the internet because my name is very rare, right? Uh, there's only one of me in America. Um, and I oh don't my goodness. I know. And I don't think any in Poland, right? My, my last name is Polish. Um, so I'm super easy to find, right? My name's not the easiest to spell, but um, so if you Google Stephanie Lipsinski and my name is spelled with an F, but even if you you know, do put a pH in there. It'll probably say, did you mean um, <laughs> I my, you know, my videos with you come up and, you know, I'm very um, findable. Well, thank you for what you're doing to help so many families. And I think this was a really important conversation today as uh, people are thinking about getting started with therapy or where to start and just not knowing. So really appreciate your insights and taking the time to speak with us again on the Today is a Good Day podcast. And I would just uh, like to thank those who are listening in. Thanks for taking the time. And we look forward to uh, talking with you again soon. Thank you.